This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 948, Top 5 Favorite X-Men Covers. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 948. It's our top five favorite X-Men covers. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and I'm joined by two illustrious guests. I have Nathan Strzok and Paul Scores uh, coming by to talk about their favorite X-Men covers. Uh, Nate, did you find this a daunting task? Uh, I just want to say thank you for demoting me from co-host to guest. I actually do appreciate that. I don't need the pressure of being a guest or a co-host. Uh, sorry, of being a co-host, so... Um, yeah, we're illustrious. We're illustrious. Yes, that's true. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I did, and I'm not happy with my list. <laughs> wow. All right, Paul. I mean, I feel like... Are you happy with your list? Yeah, I mean, I... I... <laughs> well, for me, I took a, a certain perspective on it. I, I decided, you know, yeah, I could look at, you know, like, tons of covers, this, that, the other thing, and I'm sure there's some crazy iconic covers that are out there in the history of the X-Men books, but I said, no, I'm going to focus on books that I went to the store, I saw, I owned, and they has special being to me, rather than, oh yeah, that, you know, the these future past cover is so iconic because XYZ, like I wanted to really kind of focus on why you know, I had this book and why it meant something to me thanks to A, the cover art or, or what it was about. Mm-hmm. I uh, Let me ask you guys, just before we get into our list, like, I, I definitely went through hundreds of covers. I was like, you know, I want to look at ones that do speak to me, just like you said, Paul. I mean, I've always said this isn't the best. This is about our favorites, so we're going to have very specific reasons why we like certain things. But it did feel like as I was whittling it down, I'm like, and I was thinking about you guys as well, I'm like, is this going to be like the best cover, sort of our favorite covers of 95 to 99? Like, is that what this list is going to look like? Because that's a lot of the you know the stuff that we were in the prime age to really love X Men and really getting into the hobby and like is that the stuff that's going to speak to us the most? So I'm definitely curious how that comes across. Now I will say before we started this recording, I I, I realized I was not wearing my X Men shirt, so I ran away thinking you guys would come with your X shirts, and I was so fully woefully uh, disappointed. No, I I purposely go to Marvel movies. Yeah, I purposely go to Marvel movies not wearing shirts for that movie. I'll wear a different Marvel shirt, but I'm not. I don't go to Spider Man with a with a Spider Man shirt. I'll wear an X Men shirt. Like I, I'm still a Marvel fan, but I don't have one shirt that I have for this one movie. Okay, do what I want to do. That's my thing. So I'm going to wear Batman today for for an X Men cover. Why not? Okay. And Paul, what's your excuse? I didn't get the memo. Ah, uh, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Now, do uh, often in, in a lot of other podcasts that have done top fives, they usually go with five to one, and then they do kind of honorable mentions at the end. Do you want to throw in honorable mentions at the beginning here, or wait till after we've kind of exhausted our top five? I put mine at the beginning, so that's how I would do it. Okay. For me. Okay. The mine only, are not numbered. Yours are not numbered? <laughs> There's just five of the ones I really like, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's start with some honorable mentions then, like Nate, then Paul said, at the beginning. What didn't quite make the top five? Paul? I may go first? Okay, cool. Absolutely. Uh, let me activate. 
saturation. Get your face out of here. Lovely choice. Right. So X number fifty-five. Perfect. By Andy Hubert. Yeah. Um, again, a huge, uh, amazing uh, begin to the uh, beginning to early onslaught. Uh, the Sentinels you know, crawling over the Statue of Liberty. Um, I don't know what Bishop is shooting at. You know, clearly Sentinels are above them. You know, like Rogue <laughs> and Gambit do know what's up in this picture and go, "Hey, what's over there, guys?" <laughs> While they were fighting something else over there, so you know, maybe it's an indication they're surrounded or something. But a uh, uh, pretty cool cover. Um, love the detail in the Sentinels and kind of the uh, uh, the cogs and the gears in their mouth that translate into the, the issues as well. Uh, like that kind of that that design um, that really kind of speaks out from the animated series as well. Um, but it's, it's also cool to see you know the other uh, Marvel heroes, you know, with the X Men being so prevalent. Um, at this time to kind of have Fantastic Four and Avengers and the other heroes uh, kind of involved in a, in a big way it was uh, cool to see. Hmm. Do you want to give us another? Uh, or do you want to switch to Nate first? Uh, I can do one more because they're both really close to each other and they're both Onslaught related. Uh, so next issue here is uh, Uncanny X-Men 335 uh, by Joe Mad. Um, I remember loving this cover again. Like, you, had, you have two amazing covers to start off Onslaught, right? So it, w- it made for such an easy kind of jump in uh, to go into the uh, into comics, you know. And I'm a big like big fan of the team pinup splash page type covers. You'll see a lot of mine kind of fall. Um, six head being maybe a little hard. Um, you know, you got uh, Apocalypse and Ozymandias in the background there. Um, but uh, really awesome art, really good coloring, shading. The whole thing just speaks awesomeness. So, so it is uh, my two R mentions. I'm going to jump in on this one, Paul, because uh, two things that made me laugh. Uh, the first was uh, there's a good reason why you want to do honorable mentions at the end. And you've proven it there, because that was my number one. And number two is, I had taken myself off video, but the minute you said it, I threw my hands up like, come on! That was my number one. (laughs) Now, have we ever considered, though, that Cyclops' head is not too small here, just that his head is really far back from his body? Like, it's about, about you know, the the perspective is really far away. He's craning his neck back. His shoulders are pretty, or his arms are really buff compared to the size of his head, but sure. That's also, that's also true. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you know, everyone else, well, I guess Wolverine's, that one arm is pretty beefed up there too, but anyway, I, I, I love it. It's fantastic. So, obviously, I love it too. As uh, Nate's uh, <laughs> 3D, uh, you know, X image in the top left-hand corner, that those, those, uh, love them. Right? That was Nate's big thing. There's, there's a lot on here, obviously, because, I mean, you have, as you yeah. said, like, there's the icon, there's, um, you know, the, the onslaught text you have uh, in the upper right-hand corner, you have the banner, like, there's something else coming up that you want to check out as well, like, inside. Like, there's a lot going on. Um, I always remember, um, I couldn't find this on the newsstand. My mom had to go to a comic book store. I didn't really, didn't have one near me, but she had one near her work. And I remember she went and picked it up for me. And um, I don't have it anymore, and I wish I still had, but in the bag and board that they gave her, uh, it was bagged up, and then there was um, like an onslaught ticker, uh, sorry, sticker on on the 
halfway up the uh, the the bag, and it was like a, like a warning symbol, but it was like onslaught warning, like something coming up. And I wish I had that sticker because I've never seen it anywhere else. Um, but it's just something about like whenever I think of this issue, I almost think of not being able to see Cyclops at all because the sticker's blocking the way. But again, it makes me excited that something cool is about to happen in this issue. I had just started buying Uncanny X Men literally like three issues before, so this is very early. Um, it, it's an awesome, you know, shot of all these characters. Uh, they look very iconic to me, like, because this is my period. Uh, even though other people would be like, well, this is a weird costume for Bishop, and this is obviously not his... I love that Bishop, though. I love it. It's not his most iconic, though. And, and when no, you, but it's, it's my favorite. When I you see it. him here, it doesn't like make it you think of a, that weird twang that you see in the TV series. Like, you, you don't hear that when you look at this version. Like, this version is something no, different. No, he's missing the bandana for that twang. For and, sure. like, I love this and storm the, And the mullets. Yep. The, the jerry-curled mullet is missing, too. Yes. I really like the Gambit. It's it's understated. It's off to the side. It's off to the right. But I really like that image of Gambit holding his staff out. I just think it's really an elegant shot of him, and it's really not, it's not front and center. Nope. It's not the first thing I noticed or the third thing I noticed. But when I noticed it, I'm like, you know what? I actually like the proportions on that image a lot better than, than the Psyche and the Wolverine. I'm not bashing Mad for his lack of proportionality a lot of his characters he's doing larger than life images i get that i do but um the, the gambit always really appealed to me i love that so that's that's yeah, what he's, he's doing a staff slash from mvc2 right there it's, it's amazing yep. right yep and cannonball is, yep. is right on point because blazing actually like the the yeah. blast right behind me. and i've always loved that storm costume too like i would love to see more uh action figures of that storm costume that hits them with me even just have they even ever done a figure in that costume Yes, it exists, and I gave it to you. Yeah, oh, you—that's where it came from. You gave it to me. That's right. I did. You have welcome. it upstairs. I have. Yeah, I have it upstairs, and he's uh, right next to a cable figure that we just like. We uh, Amber keeps next to the bed, I guess, so she, she can play with action figures whenever she feels like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, wow. Okay, yeah. but we need like a modern Marvel Le- uh, Marvel Legends is what we're saying, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Isn't and that and that Bishop too. Give me that Bishop and then and uh. Updated uh, Marvel Legends. I'll take it. Yeah, with yeah. the with the storm costume as well. It's not just the costume. It's also like her hairstyle. Like, cause they don't usually go back to that. Like, that was a very unique hairstyle that she had. And again, only a few artists could get it right. Um, and then they oh, just, for sure. Cause there's the short hair and the long bangs that flow through the front. Yeah, and then just kind of abandon it. I what I think is interesting about the cover is that my eyes don't even go to Wolverine. Like, he's so prominent, but, like, I don't even notice him. Because, again, there's a lot going on. He's not as colored as brightly. Like, my eyes kind of go to Cyclops first and kind of work out. And so, I, I, Wolverine's there, but, again, it's such a weird Wolverine that it doesn't grab you in the same way, because it's, it's, it's not the best. Like, not, no, nothing against Joe I feel Mad. like the text... Pardon me? I feel like the text is also poorly placed on top of him in a way that drowns him out almost. A little. To a degree, I can agree with that. It's yeah. interesting. I think the text is actually, I mean, in terms of the image in, uh, itself, it's more or less even, but because of the um, the signature on the art, it makes it look off-center. Like, it doesn't look, it's centered on the cover, but because you have this other block, it doesn't seem uh, centered anymore. Mm, true. And it's a busy cover, too. You have the title, you got the one banner on the top, right? You got the Onslaught Phase 1 on the left. Like, there's, there's a lot of action, like a lot of text, a lot of things yes. making this cover go. It's definitely not the busiest of the 90s, but it's it's not without oh, no. giving you a lot to digest as well. But yeah, no, I've I've always loved it. It'll always be, when I think of the X-Men, it comes really, you know, top of mind. It's, you know, in its own way, it's kind of aping the classic Art Adams uh, poster, but with more modern incarnations at this time. 
from, I guess, Classic so X Men number two. one. So those are your two. Okay. Absolutely. So Nate, let's see if your honorable mentions, mentions can friends. also knock out some of my, some of my top fives. <laughs> All right. Let's see what. Okay. Um, I should be. You should be able to see my image now. This is all-new X-Men number six. It's an Eminem cover, mm. and it's Kitty. Just simply, I love, I, I, this isn't always true. And some of my covers will just be really busy, but a lot of my favorites are simple. They usually have one or two figures on them. I like stark covers. I like a lot of empty space. This, I mean, you know, he, he draws a lot. He draws a great background. There's the shadow of Xavier in his wheelchair, kind of behind her, being cast to the wall behind her, and she's just sitting in a chair facing front as the new headmaster of this new X-Men team. I just, this this does two two jobs, right? It, it's really evocative, it's beautiful, it's colorful, well, um, it, it is stark in its own way, and it tells a story, right? It's letting us know what's going on with Kitty as a character and, and what she's become or who she's becoming. So, um, I, I mean, I know that Eminem, fantastic artist, love him, but uh, the colorist... I think there, there should be a lot said about how good the coloring is on this mm. and the shadow effects and the lighting effects. So um, this definitely is a favorite cover of mine. And uh, I had a number of imminent covers from this series in my my, my considerations. Um, and this is the one that is my favorite of the <laughs> of the covers that didn't... I, none of the imminent covers made it on my top five, but uh, I do love them greatly. I'm with you. I kicked tires and a bunch of eminent covers as well. Like I did like his, uh, those kind of white costumes with the various colors that they designed. Might be the Power Ranger fan of me that really liked those, but, um, but hundred percent, there were some really great covers from this, uh, Bendis period that, uh, I, I can see how you had some uh, challenges taking some from there. Anything you want to say, Adam, before I go to another one? Uh, no, I, I, I think you're right. It's, it's very simple but uh, very evocative and really paints a picture without having to use any text at all. Like, it's very kind of naked that way. Mm. He's so clean. Eminent is just so clean in his line work. It's uh, so impressive. Okay. Um, I have two other two other honorable mentions that I included. Next is, this one is ridiculous. This is Uncanny X-Men 246. Awesome. Uh, it's a Sylvester cover. And I just, I have this issue, and or at least had, I don't know if I still do, um, when I was picking up some of the Sylvester issues back in the day, and it just, I was based, I was all, uh, Rogue is my favorite character, or was at the time, I think Wolverine and Rogue are kind of at, at the top now, I like them both equally, um, and so there's just Rogue covers, so I'm picking up things with Rogue on them, but this is like part of the evolution of the glam Rogue, where Sylvester, you know, especially, and then continues on with Jim Lee, um, She's posed like a ridiculous model here, like bent backwards over a very, what looks to be a very sharp pile of, of, of rubble or brick. And it's not that she's necessarily been knocked out because she's totally posing, like her hands are back in her hair. Like it looks like Sylvester found an image of a woman, in a, like a model in a magazine, and went, I will use her as my model for this, and then didn't repose her. Just like the Claudia Schiffer kind of like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then just drew a rogue here, and I'm like, okay, well, that's cheesecake and everything, and that'll get people's attention, whatever. But then there's Masterfold holding Betsy um, in the other arm, in his one hand, and then a fist coming down and is almost about to pulp rogue. It's just like this it's such a ridiculous cover and it is all at once kind of what this era and a lot of what Uncanny X-Men was at the time, right? This, you know, um Claremont and his his love of female protagonists and then Sylvester and his kind of over the top 
very glamorous ladies. And so there's like a model, there's like a sex appeal, but then there's this like crazy robot creature about to commit huge acts of massive acts of violence on her. And, and so there's, there's that drama, there's that anxiety and it's just, it's out of control. So this is an honorable mention up because I think it's the best composition. It's not the best composed Sylvester piece. Uh, I don't think the coloring is necessarily the strongest either. It's just it, it's bananas. Maybe she's just bringing up her arms to block and catch the fists. Yeah, that's why she has her hands through her hair too, because we all know that a good place for you know to position your arms so they have good leverage is running them through your hair. Yeah. Okay. So that, that that's one, and then. Rick Leonardi's very famous Uncanny 201. This is where Storm and, and uh, Cyclops, Storm defeats Cyclops for leadership of the X-Men. And I think it's incredibly wonderful in the way it's composed. It's also telling a great story. I love, I love a few things about Cyclops when he's drawn a certain way. You know this. You two gentlemen know I love a good remove visor. Love a good remove visor. I love when his visor is either removed and he shoots a big blast or when he doesn't have his visor so you know um gosh this is dave cockram and um claremont this is leading up to 150 so it's like 140 something like that when he gets washed up on the shore mm-hmm. and of, of uh, a storm and he doesn't have his his visor and so he's got to wear um a, ba- a bandage over his eyes and at one point the bandage gets stopped off and then bow like oh my gosh he's off the black across the ocean and um, x-men unlimited number one they have the crash in antarctica and uh, i think it's storm who's able to cobble together a bandage with a little piece a one lens piece of the ruby quartz to kind of give him this one-eyed bandage like all this stuff um x-men number 50 with uh, post where he you know he gets all of the, a few of them get i don't know uh, trapped by uh Post. And so his visor's missing as well, and so he's blind and has to like have the other X Men call out where Post is. Like I love a good last image from Cyclops, and I think the cover here by Leonardi, just the spattering of his optic blast across the cement as Storm dodges it, is just so beautifully drawn. I mean, Leonardi is an incredible storyteller, and he's he's showing that in his his cover. I mean, so many covers are just people posing, but this is an excellent piece of the story I feel of the book and um, could have easily made it to my top five but barely didn't make it to top five wow it's a, it's a very is that enough? <laughs> yeah. a lot of things that's a lot that's good <laughs> no, that's, that doesn't because you see okay, it there's you know, and the top and the header the question mark you know which one of these you know characters are going to win this kind of boat and um, yeah. as I was scrolling through a lot of the older covers you know you could tell that you know the telling a piece of the story or giving you a sneak peek of what's inside was more the MO uh, versus kind of more we have uh, today. Yeah, more of the posing. I love that Storm has a club. I love that this man is shooting the energy of the sun out at her from his eye beams (laughs) and she's got a club. So it suggests, you know, oh, maybe this is not an even match. Maybe she doesn't have somehow these powers. But what's going on here, right? There's so much you could... Ask yourself just by picking up the cover. I, I think it's beautiful. All right, I'll show a, a couple. All right, I gotta uh, stop presenting. Yeah, I'll show a couple uh, of my alternates or my my honorable mentions here. One, uh, it's funny that Nate mentioned two forty six because uh, I had something close close in my mind. So this one here, number two forty seven, right after Nate's issue, um, still with Master Mold. 
Um, it's just something about the colors seem very like like something bad is happening. Like they're not normal colors. Um, just I don't know. I've always loved this image, um, even though I don't know all if all of it makes sense. Like even with like Havoc, I don't know why his like. Like, it's kind of even on him, but his powers don't really work that way. So it's like his back, and he's, like, emanating powers, but he's trying to hold on uh, and not lose, you know, one of their one of their, one of of their their teammates. Got Masterful being sucked into the Siege Perilous. There's just something about this image that feels very, I don't know, it makes you want to see what's happening in the issue. Like, it's it, it very effective as a cover, because you're like, what is going to happen next? What's the fate, the fearful fate of an X-Man? What's happening? So it may not have the the crazy ridiculousness of the giant master mold hands that we had in the la- in the previous cover that Nate was mentioning, but there's just something about this one that has always spoken to me as well. And I feel like when I remember reading trading cards, they would talk about this big siege perilous event, and this was always the cover they used. And I'm like, oh man, I got to read this. Is that Dazzler and Carol Danvers? Uh, well, it's, that's not actually Carol Danvers. It's Rogue. But, well, because Rogue's going through her weird, like, half... She's she's switching between the two personalities here. Is she not? Or am I remembering it wrong? Nate, yeah. can you remind me? I've seen this cover before, so I wasn't sure. Break? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that it's Dazzler and Rogue, is according to my memory. And um, a few issues later, a number of issues later, there'll be a Jim Lee cover... Um, and an issue about the same kind of thing, right? Where she's kind of being taken over by Carol. Carol will come and take over her body for a time, and so then yeah. she's in the, the Ms. Marvel costume. Somehow, actually, um, I, I agree. It's a great cover. Sorry, I was just going to say. I think that's like twenty issues later. Like that's how decompressed Claremont had gotten at this point. Yeah, no, it's not close to this. It plays off, but I, I remember that that was going on in these years um, before they finally eject. I think that's the not a good, a nice way to say that about Carol. Before they finally solve this problem of the two women in the one body, uh, which is a great story, it's a great idea, a great storyline. I really hope they adapt it in the MCU. I hope that when Brie Larson's contract is over, they have who, whichever character, whatever actor they've hired to play Rogue, just suck out her brain, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, you've got an actor who can portray the, the missing Brie Larson, Ms. Marvel, the Captain Marvel character, right? The, it's too expensive to pay her anymore. She's finished her contract. You can have Captain Marvel stick around in Rogue's body for a while and manifest. Like, that would be a, a lot of fun. But um, I agree. This cover with the Siege Perilous is uh, really, really cool. There, this is also something that will make you go, what is happening here? Um, mm-hmm. It is diegetic. It is telling a story. Um, the colors are great. There's a lot of emotion happening, a lot of movement. It's very kinetic with Silvestri's line work. And I love the way he draws uh, uh, Havoc's energy. It's very simple and mm. also effective. Draws the eye right to him. Yeah. Does what price victory make sense? What price victory? Yeah. It's a common... Yeah, on the bottom there? Yeah. Do you not think? Well, it I mean, it, it drops common articles. Yeah. So, like, it, typically we would use more, you know, articles in there, but yeah, it, it, it includes the necessary words to make the sentence if you're going <laughs> to sink it, cinch it down on a cover. Yeah. Um, it might even be archaic. I don't really know. I don't know if it's kind of an archaic phrase, but I mean, I, knowing I feel like it is how Claremont, Claremont likes to write and his kind. Of, yeah. Right. He's got this very um, ar- archaic approach. This. Um, baroque approach to writing, so it would make sense that he pulled it from somewhere. Okay. All right, I'll show another one here. What's next? Uh, that's a good question. 
I don't know how to stop presenting, apparently. There we go. All right, next up. Uh, I have to... There's a little access the screen was Yeah. All right. So X-Men 41. This is X-Men Volume 2, 41. It's the last chapter of Legion Quest. Um, just love the cover by Andy Kubert. You have Magneto holding a Xavier's crippled body. Um, again, very evocative. You don't really know what's happening, except for... You know, something bad is happening. It, it, to be honest, in some ways, it's not even clear, unless you really know the X-Men, that it's actually Xavier. Because it could kind of be anyone. Like, like it, it could... Just because of the perspective, it doesn't mean it's a bald person, per se, because you're kind of a weird angle on them. But, I mean, if you know anything about what was going on at the time, you obviously knew what it was. But it just always really spoke to me. I always felt very... Like vibrant, I just really like the colors. I like the only thing that that doesn't quite work as well um, is the shading on the actual X Men logo. But in terms of the actual cover art, it really pops off the page because again, this is kind of primo '90s coloring coming into full force. It's not quite liquid, but it's getting. I mean, immediately drawn to the helmet. Yes, Magneto's helmet looks Mm -hmm. so badass. Face. It's amazing. It looks looks very reminiscent of what Kubert will or Andy Kubert will do in Age of Apocalypse with that helmet. How he ang- increases the angle on it, it kind of falls out the helmet to make it look know, much more stylized. It's almost like he's playing around with that here first before he draws it in amazing. For sure. And then my uh, my last honorable mention before we get into our top. I have all those forearms too. Oh, sorry. Before you, yeah. Before you go on, the, the rendering on the... I, will, I hope one day to have forearms like Magneto. Look at the incredible sinew and the musculature. It's almost like there's more detail, more rendering on those forearms than there are even on the biceps. Like, it's just... That guy can... It's, it's like he could crack, I don't know, a door open just by kind of flexing his wrist. It's incredible. We, we can only I guess wish... he can, technically, with his magnetic power. Yeah, yeah, we can only wish for arms like that. Yeah, one day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and last up. Let's see here. This one's. I, I want to say it's more modern, but it's still like almost 20 years old now. So Astonishing X-Men Volume 3, number 6, with a very beautiful cover of, uh, of Kitty Pride and, and Colossus. It's extremely simple. Like, it's not overly complicated it's just a beautiful image of them and embrace really using her powers like it's just such a, a stunning image it really draws your attention the colors around it is a very is very cool kind of red uh, having the kind of um the logo very see-through like it's not an opaque it's just all kind of see-through and so everything's nice and red around them and you just have you know it's kind of not my favorite uh, Colossus, like just in his briefs, but because you have Kitty in front of him, you forget that he's just wearing underwear standing there, or like a bathing suit. But like again, it's very stunning, and I do really like Kitty in that costume. Um, and so yeah, there's something about how they fit together it looks really nice. And again, at the time when I started, you know, reading this issue, like when I started reading X Men comics, Colossus was you know had defected. Uh, Kitty was over in Excalibur, then they came over, and I never really got the significance of them coming over because. I hadn't read a lot of original X-Men at that time, but when you read this arc, you're like, okay, I get it. Like, these two, there's something there, it's something special, and this cover really, you know, expands upon that. Yeah, it's a shame that they ended up throwing this whole thing in the garbage with them. Uh, but yeah, it's a gorgeous cover. I remember when this came out at the time, uh, and Colossus returning, and I love the way she's she's quasi-phasing through them. Um, it's, yeah, you're right, it is absolutely dropped a gorgeous cover. 
Um, I'm not a, as, a, a big fan of them as a pairing, but it was a very emotional story, especially at the time, hmm. coming out new. And yeah, this was a very nice after the fact, right after the incredible reveal at the end of the previous issue. This is just a, a glorious cover, really nice cover. There's a few parts of the, the Colossus rendering I don't like as much as the Katie rendering, but um, hmm. I, I will not ever bash Cassidy. I think he's a brilliant artist. I almost picked number two. Issue number two didn't. It's not even on my honorable mentions. So I guess I shouldn't mention it, but I did anyway. The one with Emma covering Scott's eyes, and then you can see the glow through her fingers. I just, I love, yeah, through her fingers. Great. At the time, right, we thought that she was manipulating him, and that kind of demonstrates a manipulative Emma. But then you learn later that she is in love with him, and they're a couple, and they they're into each other. But at the time, it just, it's it's also telling a story. And there's something visual going on with those optic blasts, that glowing kind of. I guess I'm just really into Cyclops's the 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 imagery of that, the, the effect of his optic blast. I seem to. I guess I really love it. Uh, I, I'll add one more. If I haven't said this on a previous podcast, hey, those Capcom fighting games, you know, starting with X Men: Terminal of the Atom, when Cyclops walks around, I remember seeing this the first time in the arcade, and I couldn't believe what I was looking at. The glowing effect, this trailing effect of his ruby quartz visor, and this kind yes. of yeah. It's flickering. I was just like, this is incredible. Anything like that where they play around the visor it has apparently spoken to me since I, ever, since I was a kid. So I, I, I didn't realize that. I haven't put this all together until right now. It's a breakthrough, gentlemen, I'm having right now. But I love that. <laughs> so the Cyclops sizzle works for you, eh? It, I guess it does, yeah. Fascinating. See, the, the, the Comic Shenanigans podcast not only is maybe informative or, or enjoyable. I hope it's enjoyable to listen to. But it, it helps us realize, it helps us self-actualize, you know, learn new things about ourselves, really. Absolutely. Hopefully you spend some more money on that Patreon for Chapman there, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul, let's start, you can start us off on the on the actual top five list. Now, yours is numbered. I know Nate's isn't, but yours is? Uh, yeah. Okay. From the, from the bottom to the top, right? So my number five. Yes. Is Uncanny X Men three thirty nine. Love that cover. This is an uh, Adam Cooper cover. Um, brother versus brother. Uh, you know Cyclops and Havoc going at it, uh, free falling as what happens in the issue. Love this uh, costume on Havoc. Uh, this is probably my only other costume I like of his outside his um, original blue and gold kind of X Factory one uh, that he wears for a good chunk of the nineties. For a while, though, I, looking at where Kubert placed that, that red circle and how the, the harness on Cyclops is, I thought, is that his chest or his back? And how is he bending that way? <laughs> uh, upon further review, based on his shoulders and it, where his fists are, uh, it makes a bit more sense. Uh, but I always thought, yeah, this was a super cool cover. Um, you know, this was some really cool X-Men uh, stuff happening. Um, this was, like, just post-Onslaught, I guess, um, or not so long after. But uh, I remember, like, really digging this issue and kind of seeing um, how, how the brothers kind of interact with each other. Um, it was really, you know, a standout for me. Yeah, this trope, I don't know who started it. Maybe it's a Kirbyism, but the idea when people are fighting and you want to make the image look like they're equal on equal footing and you have them both throwing a punch at the exact same time. And sometimes they're both glancing off each 
other's pins, which again, you're not going to see that in a real fight. It's kind of ridiculous, but for a frozen, you know, for an image, there's that. So I, I see that trope here of the, the double fists flying, but then Adam just kind of intermingles the brothers' bodies, right? Because you've got like Alex's thigh kind of leg coming up, and then yeah. it's in the forefront or foreground over Sykes' torso. They're just kind of spinning and rotating, almost like a helix, right? This kind of. So I just think it's a really nice, especially as a brother versus brother intermingling combat scene. I think it kind of it, it puts that old trope on its, it spins it on its head almost quite literally, right? It's upside down and spinning. So I, I just think it really picks up that. And again, a very beautiful, stark background. No, I don't need anything else. Just this yeah. negative space, this white negative space. And uh, I really enjoy that. Too. Yeah, it's super clean. It has that close. If you notice, Avic's uh, circles of his powers only is on him like it's not on Cyclops right because he's immune to it um, so that was pretty cool obviously it leads in the white background so you can't see it but uh, it would have been cool if Cyclops is also making kind of blast at the same time and it's doing nothing but I might have been too busy at that point but I do like if you look very carefully none of that, that white ring overlaps with uh, Cyclops at all it's pretty fascinating I, I have been looking at this image for what 25 years now and I did not notice that until you mentioned it yeah. <laughs> very well spotted I agree that the, uh, the white really makes it pop. Um, I feel like if we did have Cyclops blasting a little, then this would have been on Nate's list for sure because that would have been the missing ingredient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do like. Yeah, I do like a good havoc ripple. I love the havoc kind of drop in a pond. The ripple, I do love it. But yeah, the optic blast would have got me right. <laughs> Very good choice. All right, Nate, do you want to... So what are you doing next? Throw, throw up your first one. Okay. Because yours are in no Okay, no yeah, I like, it, like I said... No, no, I mean, I'll, I'll save maybe something slightly more yeah. at the top of this um, for later, but this is X-Men number five. Um, I know Omega Red is not the most developed character, but as a young person, <laughs> as a young man um, who just, you know, this is lapping up this over-fueled testosterone almost kind of you know haze that was the early 90s he was just the coolest character and he's so he's so spectacular in the way that the images of those tentacles flipping and flying about and wrapping up Wolverine and being like Wolverine's healing factor versus the death factor of Omega Red um, loved it so this cover I kind of I kind of whenever I see Wolverine or Omega Red covers them together or Omega Red on his own I only maybe Subconsciously, I compare them back to this. This is like the apex, at least to me, and I guess it makes sense because Jim Lee's the creator of Omega Red. He drew the best. Um, you can see on Logan's right forearm that Omega Red has shredded his skin. And all you can see is like the housing kind of effect, or, or that the place where his claws would recede into his forearm is bare and his blood. But they've kind of done it in a way to avoid censor too much censorship. Like it's really, really violent and intense and uh, highly detailed and you can almost not see the, the title X-Men it's, it's almost no. obscured entirely by claws and tendrils and hair and it just is a flurry of activity and I love it greatly um, I've always, and I guess I always have since I first seen it so I first saw it so it's on my top 5 I cannot deny a good Jim Lee cover 100%. Yeah, there's a lot of good action happening here. The savageness of Wolverine, the savageness of Omega Red. Like, he's got lots of good bouts with a pretty decent ropes gallery, like whether it's Deathstrike or Sabretooth. Like, you could almost substitute a bunch of different awesome characters, and it's all very kind of similar in terms of the uh, 
the fascinating war within that uh, Wolverine also has to deal with in fighting um, these amazing villains who uh, put him through his paces. Yeah, even the claw marks on Omega Red's left-hand gauntlet, right? You can see that the be- this is the middle of the battle. It is in the beginning. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of, you know, blows exchanged on either side. The top of Logan's scalp, the right-hand side of his temple, also exposed and torn. You can see the adamantium underneath. That these men are almost more machine than, than human beings at this point. The way that they're, like, clawing at each other and tearing each other to pieces. Just um, a frenzied image that... Um, has also has snow swirling around in it. Like you can almost miss it, right? But it's this, it's an other Arctic battle. And I will say for Logan, I mean, we, I talked about my love Cyclops covers or imagery. Logan in snow. I mean, they they put him in a snowy kind of northern landscape a lot. I don't think just because he's a Northman, but because there's something beautiful and uh, again um, very evocative about snow swept landscapes and flurries of snows about uh, of snowflakes all around. Um, that really bring amp up that kinetic energy. So uh, it's there. It's present as well. This, this cover has it all. 100%. I'm afraid they'd ever be around you when there's snow around because I feel like you're just going to like start grabbing me and punching me just because of the, ma- the majesty of the snow around us. Yeah, I would be a whirling dervish for sure as a young child. I'm sure I just kind of was like a, a top man or something like that, just spinning about, <laughs> knocking over people's forts and their snowmen and stuff like that as a kid. I probably was horrible to be around in this. All right, I got, uh, let's see, my number five. I think it's not a surprise. Um, just, I've always loved this cover. So this is Astonishing X-Men, volume one, number four. So right before the end of the Age of Apocalypse, we have a nice, sweet Joe Mad cover. Um, the coloring effects on Iceman have always been just awesome in this period. Uh, even the coloring effects on Blink's, you know, whatever she throws. Um, Sunfire looks awesome. Even, like, Morph... I mean, you know that a minute after this, Morph would be laughing, but here he looks, like, serious and badass, and you're like, who, who, who are these people? Like, again, even the short hair on Rogue, like, it just all works. It looks really strong. I like the color on the background. Even though the X-Men logo is maybe a little extra stretched, um, but I don't care because I'm too busy looking at how awesome these characters look. It's not really telling you much of a story. Um, you're just seeing some characters posing and looking badass, but they look really badass, and, again... I wasn't buying comics regularly when this came out. This would have been when I was like 11 or 12, but I only had a handful of issues that I was able to get off the newsstand, and this was one of them, and it always meant a lot, and I just loved how awesome it looked. Yeah, that Bobby and that Shiro look absolutely superb. Uh, you know, the, the, the no mouth, um, just the the sharpness of, of Iceman, and I guess... Uh, even, like yeah, you're right. Like Morph looks even incredible starting with that team. Is that Lugshell hiding in the back there behind Blink? Yes, he is. Um, you can see, right? And Rogue looks fantastic, and she's not like you know too overly sexualized in that you know with uh, over exaggerated proportions or anything either. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty nice uh, team shot. It's simple. There's something about the coloring in this era, this early CG coloring, and Joe's arts that. I don't know. I don't know that it's as good now. Um, that's not fair to say. There's excellent colorists that have worked on Joe's uh, art since, but I don't, again, maybe it's just nostalgia. Maybe this is absolutely subjective, but yeah, the coloring here is incredible. I almost picked this cover. This is almost in my top five. Um, but it's not because it's a different Joe Mad image in my top five, but this is very, very close to that. Yeah, I love um, <laughs> uh, the shading on Morse face. Incredible. Yeah. And yeah, it does seem like 
Joe had it out against mouths this month because yeah, both Shiro and Bobby have no mouth, and then Rogue's mouth is covered by her hair, and then kind of Morph is grimacing, so there's just a line there. So really, you have Clarice kind of has some first lips, there. <laughs> and maybe Walchild gets the grin, but yeah, they, he he didn't like mouths that much. No. <laughs> All right, Paul, number four. Back to me, okay. Stand by. Trying to guess in my mind, like what period is this going to be? What are you going to throw up? I'm going to say I'm going to say the name of my image before I show it to you. How about that? I'm going to say what the issue is. Should I do that to see if you know what it will look like when it appears, or is that too much? That's too. No, I'm in. I'm, I'm in for that. I'm in for that. I think you're into that. Yeah, I, I figured you would be. <laughs> That's up my alley. Well, yeah. since, since uh, we're looking to follow one good Joe Mad, what's another? So, Uncanny Action 350, the Ooh. original. Um, it's a cleaner picture of it there. But uh, I remember getting this cover, uh, you know, Gambit's face, front and center, uh, foil cover, just shining everywhere. Uh, then you fold it open and you have a beautiful, you know, shot of the Marauders uh, on one side. And then, you know, uh, and I loved, you know, having Joseph and, and Rogue and that, that kind of relationship going on at the time. You know, maggots there too, whatever. Uh, you know, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or maggots. Beast Psylocke, you know, and Angel the Great and the cover to kind of the X-Men half of it. But, um, yeah, I remember like this kind of early on in my collecting, you know, like, you know, you had the big event that was on, so we had zero tolerance, you know, kind of, you know, as we built for events up and down, like, this is the next big kind of thing to hit the X-Men, like, milestone issues, you know, you love a good milestone issue, and I look look forward to, like, what's going to, what are they going to bring to the table for the next milestone cover, and I remember getting this issue uh, off the stands and having it, you know, a sucker for, you know, where it was holograms or shiny covers or whatever and thinking, oh, it's going to be worth you know, tons of money someday or whatever. It's not, but which is fine. But uh, I just remember really being attracted to, you know, again, to the Joe Mad art that flowed through this era of X Men and uh, the cover really just popped, especially when it was like, oh, fucking foil. That was totally awesome. The glowing eyes, especially, really stood out uh, on the cover. Even when you add the text back in, you know, it, it was there, but it didn't take away from, from Gambit at all. Like, it didn't really. Um, you know, overtake uh, the beautiful art that was on there. So that is my next choice. I always forget that the Marauders are even on this because in all like you know trade paperbacks and stuff, they only have room for you know two of the three pages basically. So they always kind of cut off that part. So they always have like Gambit's face, and then they have like the rest you know, moving to the left. But they always cut off the right hand side. So I always forget that they're there. And then you miss how swole Harpoon is in this rendition. <laughs> <laughs> so swole. You know, you know what this um, image kind of, I guess, misrepresents is it suggests that, you know, Gambit is holding all the aces. You know, he's got holding four aces on the cover. Like, oh, man, he's in complete control. And then you, like, open the book and you start reading it. And you learn that Gambit has no control over anything. Like, <laughs> a, a guy pretending to be Eric the Red who secreted the Magneto blows his cover and tells all the secrets that he's ever told from his girlfriend, I guess, at the time. And then she's like, you're awful, you're horrible, I'm going to leave you to die in Antarctica. Like he's, he, he has no aces. Too bad. <laughs> well, you, look, you look at the face of, of Rogue, all the despair and the betrayal that happens, yeah. right? So she yeah. totally, uh, you know, she's, she hates to do it, but, you know, not, not the man she, she thought he was. Or he, yeah. she's not, he is not the man she thought he was. Yeah. 
something about that and the way that it's drawn. I don't know if it's the, because it's the corner. I don't know if it's the, the, the emotion on her face, which, by the way, I love Joe Mad. Not the best at demonstrating emotion other than grimaces or anger <laughs> through facial expressions. Not his forte. That's one of the best drawings I've seen him do of a facial expression. It is almost haunting. And I don't know if this makes any sense to either of you two, but I get like a Leia vibe from it. I get this kind of like this sadness, this almost Padme, Padme Leia kind of sadness that like, you know, the, the, fa- the fallen hero or, you know, someone that I loved who like who either might be dead or is just a villain. Like, you know, the whole Leia on thing of Padme and the, uh, <laughs> I almost said the Hayden Christensen of it all. Um, <laughs> with, with Anakin. Um, is that just me? Is that am I just kind of? I don't know why I made that connection. I, I, can, just, I can see where you're getting it from. I, like even Angel, like he, you see him kind of dejected and down, like you know, hunched over because you know he was the one that was captured and, and tortured. And then you have like you know, like Silek almost turning his back, and you have like uh, uh, Joseph being you know, you know, you you how can you torture my my love of Rogue? For, like you know, he like, being that other alpha male trying to you know. I can kick your ass because you hurt my girlfriend kind of look, you know, and even Beast kind of giving us some cut eyes. So it's pretty interesting if you if you know what the issue is about, you know, you have the classic Marauders and that's kind of the backstory behind what happened. And then you see kind of, you know, the, the different levels of, of the X-Men on their side that uh, kind of tease what else is going to happen in the issue. Now do Maggot. What's Maggot doing there, Paul? What is he reacting to? Nothing. <laughs> Uh, he's looking for Meanie because he went off and ate something because only Eenie is on the uh, oh. shoulder. Yeah, he's like, why am I here? <laughs> for a seminal moment. Like, he gets to be part of a an anniversary and a big moment. And he, he's been around for a few issues. Yeah, he's yeah. just there because he's a maggot. Yeah. I love him. <laughs> All right, Nate. Hit us with something good. Doing a thing. <laughs> okay, well... It's all good. It's all going to be good. So this is X-Men, when they weren't calling it Uncanny at this time. Uh, X-Men, but it's still volume one of Uncanny X-Men. Let's call it that. Okay. Uh, 168. Mm. You know what that one looks like? You got that drawn up in your, Hold your on, mind's that, eye, that, Adam? Is that with our... Oh, no. I, got, I, I was thinking 169. Paul Smith. Like, ah, this is quite an undersung... I, th- I think less and less, though, now... Um, Hero artist, incredible artist of the or legacy artist of the of the of the classic Claremont years. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are talking about him more now. Um, I think he's phenomenal. I think he's I think he's better than Cockrum. I'm gonna say it. I like him better than Cockrum. I like him better than a lot of this. He's not better than Byrne per se, but he's up there for me. I think he's incredible. And so this cover is also the issue of Professor Xavier's a jerk. So this is like a very famous, important issue, very memorable, referenced in Astonishing X-Men by Weep and Cassidy. Yep. But um, very clean lines. Again, it's telling a story with no words. Kitty's up against the wall. There's a spotlight on her. What's happening? There's like slash marks on her on her leg and her, her torso and her shoulder. Looks like she's bruised. Her hair is tussled. How is she going to get into this one? It's just, I, again, this goes back to that idea that I, I, I really like the clean art from Eminem, and I love the clean art and depictions from Paul Smith. It's just beautiful, and um, I love it. It's very simple. I like the color schemes. Yep. Paul's got nothing. No. <laughs> no, I've never, I've never seen say. it before, so I'm, I'm just soaking it in, but uh, yeah. Okay. Really, oh, I think I nice. think for Kitty and Ruby Quartz, that's what we've determined so far on the podcast for uh, for Jeez, oh, I mean, 
I would never think that I had a thing for Kitty. Like, I certainly wasn't around <laughs> at the time when she was, like, this heartthrob for so many young teens. Um, and for me, like, the ingenue really for the X-Men, of course, was Jubilee, and then later Marrow. So those are kind of, like, the two, you know, ingenues that I didn't, like... I didn't like ship myself to them. I wasn't like, oh man, like I love these, I love these ladies but in, a, in the way that a lot of people did with Kitty, right? That was, yeah. But I guess, yeah, I guess she's on some good covers. Maybe because so many artists are, they love her and uh, they just drawn some great covers with her. I don't know. Okay, I will stop presenting. All right. So my next one, it's funny based on what we've talked about today. It's going to seem like I picked this on purpose, but I just, it's always a cover I've loved. And I think that one of you will really appreciate it. And if, if not, <laughs> okay. So this is X-Men Volume 2, 44. It's, it's a Cyclops cover. He's blasting at you. It's, it's, by, it's by a Qbert. Um, I don't know. It's something very arresting about it. I like the simple color scheme. It's all tinged in red. Um, and you're just getting blasted by Cyclops. You don't know why he's doing this. You don't know who he's attacking, what's in front of him, what you, what is this that he's blasting through. But it just always looked very cool. I liked um, the placement of the X-Men logo as well because it looked like it's getting blasted as well, so everything's off-kilter, something's going on. Um, it just always looked very visually arresting to me. So uh, when I was looking at all these covers, I was like, you know, some of them pop out to me more. This one really grabbed my attention, and I always remembered enjoying it. Um, this is, you know, I... I remember getting this in a back issue bin, so I didn't get this initially. But I mean, I remember just going through and being like, "Whoa, I gotta, I gotta read this." I think he's blasting through like a Sentinel or something based on all the circuitry and things. And I love the lens flare for the eyes that is really making it pop. I remember when I first, like in high school, started playing with uh, Photoshop ever. And I discovered the lens flare like ability as a as a mm. thing you can play with and add to photos. And I did a Wolverine collage, and I, I had I used it for uh, an effect off to make the collage shiny, and it blew me away. So having that kind of here reminds me of that, which is super awesome to see. Like kind of almost a perspective of if I'm going to get blasted in the face by Cyclops' optic rays, this is what it's going to look like. It's it's really cool. Nate, what do you think? Shall I dis- Shall I disappoint you? Yes, you shall. <laughs> because I don't actually see the blast, that nice kind of heavy red blast or spatter or any of those things or the haze, because I don't get to see it. It's like, you know, because his blasts, I guess, are just kind of hitting us. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't kind of top that list of like, you know, top Cyclops image effects or, or blast effects. Like, like beams coming actually kind of thing, if there were some red lines kind of added to it. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, look, X-Men 50... I've said this before, I can't stop talking about it, really affected me apparently as a teen, but he jumps on post and blasts into his torso and post is just like, ah, right, he's a cocky guy there with your with your beautiful close-shaved beard that, you know, and your amazing uh, hair on your arms. You're, you're not laughing now, and there's just this kind of sparking, spattering, same kind of effect that Bacolo does in X-Men Unlimited number one when Sykes blast all kind of like Blast through the the, uh, the blackbird and things like that. So there's something about this kind of spattering, and again, they do this in the, the Capcom fighting games with it ricocheting and bouncing and kind of. It's almost like it's sparking, like kind of effect you get. You see sparks kind of showering down. I I, I don't know why that is something that comes from his his eyes and it looks like sparks. Just it's really neat, and uh, that's what I I look for in a good last image so yeah I, I think this is a Wagner I mean it really does it gets your attention it's a cool cover it's, it's got that great you know, red 
uh, coloring to, to you know demonstrate that we're being blasted by his optic glass. But I, it's not enough of that. That <laughs> I know the the image of his rays. So I'm not saying it's a bad cover. It just it wouldn't be. You know, it would land with the other psychops that I like. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's all right. No, that was very entertaining. Paul, back to you. Sure. Back to me. Flash cover is Uncanny X-Men 356. <laughs> why, why is he laughing? No, no, I just, I did not, did not expect that at all. It was very unexpected, that's all. I told you about this the other day. What are you about? Yeah, I know you said it, but I wasn't visualizing it enough. And then when I actually see it again, um, it's only funny to me because I don't think of you as really liking Bacallo that much. And then you have this very Bacallo oh, cover. Oh, I do. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I do. Uh, I remember when I first saw this, I was uh, very blown away by it. I think um, prior to this particular... Uh, cover and, and Bacallo coming on art in Uncanny. I think there's some really rough stuff uh, previous to this. So for this, it's kind of a breath of fresh air. I love um, how the O5 uh, turned out here, especially Gene and Iceman, I think, and Beast um, uh, look really, really good. Um, Angel's, you know, face is a bit off in the background. Um, I don't love the chin. On Scott here, I think it's a little too elongated, but otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm, I, it fits his art style, so it's really cool. And I remember taking this cover and uh, using kind of almost some kind of overhead projector technology, and and on a big white piece of canvas, it kind of like almost traces as an art project. And I love like just the uh, the ice effect under Iceman really spoke to me, and his face looks looks awesome. It's very Pachalo, but um, I, I don't know it, this just spoke to me again. Very simple, no crazy backgrounds. Uh, so the characters look great, and it really and, and I, you know really uses as, as part of an art project. I never colored it. I think I still may have it somewhere, um, uh, hiding in my garage or something. But uh, it was a piece that I was really blown away by at the time. I think it's aged okay too. Uh, the colors are, are sharp and on point for for the characters as well. It's, it's there. You know, I like that uh, the, the costumes at this era as well. Obviously, uh, classic nineties. So uh, it's a cover that really really worked for me. I thought it was really cool. I said that's a good enough reason for making any cover. The fact that it was so meaningful to you that you engaged in an art project with it, like, so, you know, say no more, right? It definitely has a, a personal meaning or, or, or great impact on you. So, and that's all a good cover is supposed to do, right? Make you, I mean, make you want to buy it, but then also it should speak to you, have a relate to an experience that you had. So, I mean, I enjoy this cover too. I was really digging a lot of Akalo's style when he comes on the book. Um, didn't love him as much for some reason when I read him first on Generation Next, AOA. It was Generation Next, wasn't it? Um, didn't really dig it, but when he succeeds Madrera on, or Madeira, I don't know how to say that name, um, <laughs> on the book, I was I was, I was was pumped. I was hyped for it. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I remember this cover fondly as well. And also, I remember when I started you know, doing doodling and sketches, like... Um, tracing off the gene for the sash it taught me how to draw like sashes and stuff like I picked up how to kind of draw cool flowy sashes from this uh, image as well I remember my doodling days that's cool what do you got to say now Chapman? Uh, uh, nothing bad <laughs> 
I do think it's arresting. <laughs> I do like how it pops off the page. I like the, how the, the, the bleed of the color effects behind the logo as well. So, again, like it just it adds something more. I like the ones that kind of play with the logo or do things behind the logo um, and they integrate it a little bit more visually as opposed to the logo just intruding on the art. And this is definitely one of those times because they've, you know, it's, again, it's translucent so you can kind of see through it. Um, uh, I like it. I It's not my favorite. But you know, I can see why you're enjoying it. It's interesting because my feeling on it is somewhat tempered by the fact that I remember that storyline really not going anywhere, and so the, the the memory of the comic in it's inside kind of sours me on the cover um, because I, it had a lot of promise. The idea that the Phoenix Force was coming back, something was going to happen with that, what was really going on with Gene, and it went absolutely nowhere. So I have some yeah. negative connotations that ruined the cover a bit for me, but I see why you love it. Um, it's just I have this other bag that thankfully you don't have nope <laughs> <laughs> alright Nate uncanny 251 <laughs> I'm literally looking at it right now Why? being like I'm gonna uh, I was like oh, well how do I slide in one of my honorable mentions since my number one was already taken and I'm like well maybe I'll talk about uncanny X-Men 251 next and you say it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean again I'm not, I'm not really strictly numbered but I am trying to kind of build to perhaps some of my top three, and I'd say that this is easily, you know, I, I, this is my third top one, uh, third favorite, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think this shock anybody. I love Wolverine. This is a very striking image of the crucifixion of Wolverine by the Reavers. Um, Sylvester's choice to not show Logan's face, or, or really most of his features, because he's in silhouette here for the most part, I think is is a very for a cover. You know what I mean? Like for mm-hmm. a cover, that's a bold choice. You're not showing the hero's face. So if you don't know who Wolverine is, you can only know from his hair. That's all you can tell from the stylized hair. Maybe you know enough about his boots to kind of make out the boots. But mm. your, your first you know, comic to the X-Men, you're a new arrival. You're, sell- you're being sold on the skulls in the foreground, how foreboding and horrifying this is. This is a horror cover that he's drawn. And the way that it's lit with this kind of sickly green lighting in the background um it's almost you know like Pennsylvanian um Vladimir Paler style image right he's he's hoisted up on the posts and there's skulls and death and rain and perhaps that's a, a vulture flying overhead um really is getting you uh, getting your attention on the morbidity of it and it's not a flashy hey here's Wolverine one of Marvel's most popular characters you know, coming at you, it is, I think, uh, in that way, subdued. And uh, that restraint on the part of, of Silvestri. Have I mentioned that Silvestri is my favorite X-Men artist? I don't know if I've said that before. But he is absolutely <laughs> just an incredible illustrator. I think X-Men have, have been um, privileged to have some of the most talented illustrators in the business have come through their halls and where I draw from that. But Silvestri in the 80s is just unbelievable. So, yeah, this is... Top, the top three for me. As you said, it's incredibly striking. Um, it's interesting, as you mentioned, like you know, if you didn't know it was Wolverine, I mean, the hair could, in theory, almost be Beast. If you're like an Avengers fan at the time, you're like, whoa, what's Beast doing here? Um, but yeah, there's like you know, it's it's just very evocative. It draws your attention. You want to know what's going on here. It looks you know very savage and, and brutal. Um, so yeah, it kind of gets you ready for what's inside. Um, I think you know, in the I, it was many years. 
after I'd actually sorry I hadn't seen this for a long time this this cover and I but I think I'd read Uncan- sorry Wolverine I think one twenty five or one twenty six there's some flashbacks to this moment with him in Jubilee and talking about like what it was like for her to like pull him down from from uh, you know being crucified here and I think I, I saw that before I even saw this cover and I saw this cover and I'm like oh that's what that was talking about and it's seeing other characters talking about this moment makes this cover pop more for me because it's not just a cover, it is story. They're telling you a story in this cover that matters to this character and something horrifying happens to him and you want to find out what's going to happen next. Um, it's interesting that like between the two of us, Nate, like we have you know, 246, 247, 251, like all in this kind of really short period, but the covers are, are yeah. striking and it's interesting because the book was trying to, you know, not that it was trying to find itself, but it was it was going through some weird times, right? Like Claremont was very experimental. Like he, he didn't have a proper team. He just had weird stuff happening. But the covers were driving, really drawing people in. And yeah, Sylvester is a master at it. And I can cheat too when I say that Sylvester is my favorite um, X Men artist because Adam Kubert's my favorite Wolverine artist. And I know that Adam's drawn for X Men, but by say like two of my favorite <laughs> artists, my Wolverine artist and my my X Men artist. I could just kind of cheat with that and kind of say, look, these are some of my top two overall. And uh, it, what's different, though, for me, I don't know why I'm going on this aside, but um, Adam Cooper is still a top artist for me. I still love his work greatly, even though it's changed in many ways. I still think he's a great storyteller. Whereas Silvestri, something happened to him. I don't know. I don't think his work on The Darkness was was very good. And, and, and subsequently, his work over at Image through Top Cow, I just don't think, you know, he comes back and he works with Morrison for... Um, you know, for new X-Men and I just, I just don't think something's going on there and I don't know what happened to him so uh, unlike Cooper he's I would say he's not currently a, a top artist of mine it's just this era his Wolverine work his X-Men work is just is incredible I would actually say Sorry, that part of I, I've noticed that too Nate about some of Sylvester's more recent work uh, like in the mid-2000s he did a bunch of X-Men projects and I think part of it was uh, not necessarily him, but also uh, the colorists over him. I thought that they didn't. Could be. They didn't fly, like. I, I think some people look really good with modern coloring, and some people don't. And some people really excelled in the old style of coloring because it just. I don't know. There's just something about the way it looked and certain flaws and imperfections. Sometimes it made it look even better. And so I, I think there's definitely something to that where some artists just with the more modern coloring techniques, there's a there's a sheen to it. There's a shininess that doesn't always work. And Sylvester was a good dirty artist. If you know what I mean, like not yeah, yeah. You know, he just gritty. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was gritty, and and that obviously is very Marvel eighties. Um, you know, there's a lot of people doing that kind of grittiness, and he just did it really well. And again, he had you know colorists that were able to channel that using the technology at the time that I think worked better. Sometimes having a lot more color options is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, having kind of a limited palette made a lot of these people really try and experiment and do interesting things with the limited tools they had. And I think that you do see a lot of that in his work. Yeah, I, I, it could be color. I've thought about that too. It could be the inking on him is kind of something's mm-hmm. different about the inking. I, I, I'm not really sure. Uh, it just even his storytelling though, even like the way he designs his panels, does not feel as as effective. I, in my opinion, as he was putting out when he, he in those early days. So um, I have not read his. What did he do for Image when he first came on board? Uh, what was his book? I can't remember the name of the book because I've never read it. What, what did he do? In, you know, There's Wildcats for Jim Lee, and there yeah. was Youngblood for Liefeld, and he had Cyberforce. Is that him? Maybe. That might have been it. Yeah, I haven't even read that to see, but um, I, I'd like to learn more about the evolution uh, of his art. 
but another time. We can have a whole podcast about that. <laughs> no, I'm sure you don't want to. Oh, <laughs> casts. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm just going to I kind of double down on Nate's there and let uh, Paul go for some more so I can still keep you guys, keep going with you guys. So, Paul, hit us with your number two. Oh, okay. Well, are we skipping your number two because we've already talked about your number two? Uh, well, I mean, technically my one was already picked, and then this, oh, yeah, this yeah. was an alternate I was slotting into the three slot just to keep us going, and you already grabbed that, so. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm adjusting on the fly. So let's see what Paul's nice. got for number two. Okay, so for number two, I have X-Men Volume 2, Issue 100. Really? Wow, I did not expect this. That's shocking. Yeah. It's yeah. shocking. Uh, yeah, again, another cover, another another big group shot. Um, outside of, obviously, the original Jim Lee designs, uh, and I really loved, um, actually, when Claremont launched Extreme X-Men, those red costumes of that team wore, mm. um, I absolutely adore. Uh, there's never a really good Team Splash cover of that particular group, Unish number one's just okay. Um, but Rogue in that red costume is superb. But, um, yeah, I know, just, uh, I really loved... Cable's design uh, for this era, um, you know, a very light adjustment to uh, to Gambit. Uh, don't broke, don't, uh, not broke, don't fix it for Wolverine, which is kind of funny because everyone else is you know, drastically kind of a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got uh, Neil Shahara Thunderbird, and I remember reading a, uh, a, a justification from the, some of the designs for the characters on this, and like, why is Beast just running around in underpants? Like, he's a techie guy. Let's, let's tech him up a bit, give him some clothes and a backpack and some nerdy stuff, and mm-hmm. that was a bit. You know, I started a bit in uh, Extreme X Men and kind of rolled over into this a bit. Um, I do like that, that Phoenix costume, my Jean. Um, not my favorite Rogue nor Storm. Um, you know, a little ponytailing on Peter kind of works, and uh, the kind of the more Samurai Ninja uh, look for um, Psylocke works for me, and uh, the bit of extra armor for uh, you know nimble and and fast night color was kind of cool. So I don't, it, it just it was another cover that you know at the, at the start of a new era for, for the team. And uh, it, uh, I thought it was just really cool. And I, I liked reading, um, you know, I think it was the back of this issue, kind of some of the, the, the reasons why they designed the characters in certain ways. And it's kind of a nice way to depart from some of the traditional stuff. And it wasn't totally uh, out of whack. You know, it wasn't like the, the worst designs I've ever seen uh, that they've played with before with the X-Men. So I guess another, you know, fun issue um, or fun kind of splash page of the team that uh, spoke to me similar to my other covers in this list. Where is Neil Shara now in Krakoa? Have we seen him? Has he popped up anywhere? I think he's been mentioned once, yes. Right. That Wolverine, that, that, this is Tom Rainey, that this Wolverine is just feels very Art Adams to me. Like the way it is Arthur Adams. This, this cover is Arthur Adams. Is this Art Adams? Yes. Okay. I thought this was the Tom Rainey book, though. Is that... Uh, no, this That's is the Lionel Francis. This, this is the U book. So what was Rainy drawing then? Was he doing Uncanny? Probably. Uh, no, because Cuber no, was doing that. No, Cuber was doing it, that's right. So what was Rainy doing? Was he doing Cable? He did something. Rainy wasn't this period. It was some a different period. Oh, I thought for sure he was drawing one of the books. Okay, I guess I misremembered. I have not, to be honest, I have not reread this, The Revolutions, since I read it when it came out. So I don't, I don't remember this at all. Yeah. Okay, well, no, good. I'm glad... I'm glad that the Art Adams Wolverine looked a lot like Art Adams. That was that was nice, a nice catch on my part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, uh, Chapman, you got something else you want to 
no. talk about, but that's one where I might um, go. No, I, I, I'm trying to think if I even have this cover because I feel like there was alternate covers and like variants, and like I don't I, know if I actually had that. There are a few. Oh, I sought out this cover. I wanted it. I, like, sought it out. Coming. Well, that makes. Yeah. I mean, that's a good one to be on the list. It made you go out and buy it. it. I mean, that's pretty effective. Yeah. I will say, uh, yeah. Okay, so am I going next? Oh, so go ahead, Nate. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to tell you what it is first before I bring it up. <laughs> so I think what I'll do for number two is Astonishing X-Men number three. Uh, which one's that? Volume one. Oh, volume three. Oh, well, yeah, okay, that's Joe Mad with, um, yeah, the rogue's punching you, isn't yeah. she? All right, there we go. Uh, she's elbowing and kicking, kind of. Okay. I don't know. She's kicking an infinite, almost, but it's not convincing. Really, it looks like Joe drew her first, and then I went, what can I put around her? But uh, I do like the Shiro behind her, you know, just using his atomic fire, kind of like blowing up almost a, quarter, a fifth of the page. Those early CG colors, that fire effect, um, really, really nice in the background. And I was flipping through back issues because I didn't read... Um, Age of Apocalypse as it was coming out that's something that I read afterwards and really really enjoyed I, I don't remember I think I picked up Astonishing One first because I was a you know, big fan of Joe Mad. still really enjoy his art but it, I, was, it was, I was kind of in love with his art at the time I was mimicking his art style in my own drawing and just something about how anime or manga really that, that his style just seemed to ooze in this page Rogue's hair I mean you talked about how Storm's hair uh, designed by Joe Mad at the time with these very long kind of no, I, you call it. They've not. It's not even like bangs. It's just these extensions of a part of the front of her hair, almost impossibly, and that no other artist can copy it. No one else could draw this haircut, but Joe. <laughs> um, Roger Cruz tried a few times, and he was it was commendable. But you put it in the hands of you know Andy Kubert, and it looks like a mullet. And maybe that's because it is a mullet. I don't know. But here it's got this cool buzz saw effects on the kind of bangs of her hair. Uh, and the way that it's colored, that gradient, that like white gray, gray gradient, and then kind of the the other part of her hair kind of extending out, it just it looked so stylized, so surreal, uh, very much like a ghost in the shell, almost kind of stylized effect that it, it was otherworldly, right? This this cover suggested almost everything I needed to know about about the Age of Apocalypse and how different it was and how um, this, this science fiction dystopian future kind of romp how different this robe was going to be from the robe that I was used to from the cartoon or from you know, the collecting I was doing of what any of the time so um, yeah just style the colors it's a rogue cover I'm a big fan of rogue and um, it stood out to me I knew I had to buy it as soon as I saw it and I picked it up and it's just kind of stuck with me is probably my favorite AOA cover really wow that's I mean there's a lot of good ones to choose from there yeah, I mean, I almost chose like you chose um, issue four, the same volume. It was like I was going back and forth, right? It's it, Rogue kind of central, um, but this is the one that I think you know it's actually more and more action packed, and I just like the the composition a bit more. But I see Adam we're suckers. We got him X Men Prime. We should have got him this one for his slab cover for you, like, right? That's a great cover going. too. <laughs> That's a great cover too. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's it's gorgeous. Sunfire looks awesome. 
Um, I also just really liked the X-Men logo in this period, like, because it it's more reminiscent of the original X-Men logo than the Uncanny one we were used to, um, back in, like, the original 60s X-Men logo, so I, I like that, you know, that, that X, there's just something about it, and it was so different from what we had at the time, but, yeah. that's yeah. sharp. So the next yeah. one, so, yeah, I get like a bus like, before we show up my next one, I do want to show, uh, Paul, while he was enjoying that awesome X-Men 100 cover, this is what I ended up with. Uh, let's see here. Oh, no. Apparently, uh... Oh, there we go. Let's try to share it here. So this is what I got instead. I got the Lionel Francis U variant. Not quite as gorgeous. No. Uh, I don't know what Colossus is doing. Is this his, Colossus back there. What's happening? Is that his move from the video game? Like, <laughs> or is, he, uh, is he getting ready to do yeah. that? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's well, it's you go by the explode base on the size of the chest, and then you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a mess. I mean, the rogue's <laughs> decent. Um, the nightcrawler's fine, but the rest is kind of a jumbled mess. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, so that's obviously not what I'm actually <laughs> going to look at. So let me put up my actual next one here. So I mean, you're bringing up revolutions again. I'm just kind of clicking around here to go like, why did I have Rainy in my in my mind? Yeah, Rainey is drawing on Kenny X-Men also at this time, so I don't know if he's doing intermittently with Adam Cooper, but, like, issue 382, for example, here, I'll, I'll display it. Because um, yeah, I, I thought for sure Rainey was drawing at the time, and yeah, here he is. Here's an example of one of the issues that he did. So I don't remember who was drawing exactly what at what time, but you, you remember this art, right? I, this cable and this... Yeah, I do. Was he maybe just doing covers? Like, was he doing interiors? I think it, I think it says here in the data in Marvel database that he's let's see let's find out uh, Tom Rainey slash cover artist so is he does that mean he's both what is keep going down what does it tell you I don't know Marvel database I never check here to see keep go down yeah keep going down this is riveting audio oh no I guess he, pe- he, did, Rainey, he, he did pencils story. Yeah, pencils by Tom Rainey okay. Yeah, I have distinct memories of I don't like Tom Rainey, and I have distinct memories of not liking that art in this era. So I, I guess I'm not crazy. Oh, I guess not. I, I I knew he he came on right at the end of this era, right when you just leading up to Churchill taking over with 394. But um, I didn't think it was that early. So that's imp- that's interesting. All right, so I'll show my next one. I've yeah. talked about this book a lot, so I'm not going to talk a lot about the cover, but I do love it a lot, um, just because it means a lot to me and. I just enjoy it, even though it's not the best for composition. Uh, it's X-Men Volume 2, Number 20. Uh, guess Who's Back? Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I love this issue. I It means a lot. It's like the first X-Men issue I remember ever actually reading, uh, even though it was cut up, and I still have that cut up version. I'll have that till I die. Um, but there's something about the cover. Like it's, it's a good Wolverine. I don't know what Cyclops is doing, although you got a little bit of the glint of his, his visor there. Uh, not the best rogue. Um, but a sweet gambit. <laughs> He's close ready to pound it. I don't know. That's great. I just always enjoy That's it. Uh, that would be a great quote to just kind of associate with Adam after this, uh, forever after this podcast. You know what Adam likes? A sweet gambit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tell tell me that's not a sweet gambit. He he's he's yelling. Yeah, I can't. I cannot tell a lie. Like you can hear the voice in the TV show yelling something. I mean, I, I like. I, I think Beast is actually the one I just like the most of the rendering here. I think I like a lot of them mm. uh, quite quite well. I think he's done a good job. Even the Rogue, I'm like, oh, I'm fine with that. That's cool. I think that the Beast is a little bit sloppier, but I like I like this image. 
it's a lot of posing, but again, it's just I, it's one of those things where sometimes favorite gets into the nostalgic sentimentality of it all, and I don't think I would have you know ever really cared about reading X Men comics if I hadn't read this one. Uh, it just really spoke to me, and that cover grabbed my attention. And when my buddy was like, oh, I don't want this anymore, I've already used it for my art project, I'm like, I'll take it, even though you've massacred this thing. And there's, there's as I've said before, like I own it in trade now, and there are still pages where I, I don't remember those panels because those were cut out. <laughs> so yeah, I always get a, a weird new experience whenever I look at it. Uh, so, yeah, issue 20, X-Men, volume 2, uh, yeah, it's always been, meant a lot to me. So here's a here's a thirty a thirty year spoiler, okay? So you can mute your podcast right now or whatever, uh, because <laughs> this guess who's back? It's here we go. It's Revanche, right? Everyone's favorite character, and you all know immediately who I'm talking about. But um, so the the composition here, right? This is because I didn't know what I was looking at when I saw this for the first time. I'm like, is it sticky goop? It is stuff falling? Is Laffy Taffy falling down towards them? Yeah. So my reading of it, looking at it now, is Revanche's cape is fluttering forward. It's from her point of view, right? This is the camera, as it were, is from her point of view, and her cape is flowing in the wind out in front of her mm-hmm. and kind of encapsulating and framing the X-Men around her. It is an odd choice. It is. It is an odd choice. Yeah, I don't think it... I, I, honestly, that part of it I don't think works um, because even if you know the character, like, I feel like the colors are even a little bit off. Like, it's not quite her cape, and yeah, yeah. like, it's not that giant that it would be fluttering that much. Like how much is still around her? Like, like what's how happening? much wind is here? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. All right, Paul, you want to start uh, taking us home? Yeah, I, I'll finish your thoughts. Well, wait, you're not finishing. I thought I have a one left. Am no, I? Oh, he's not doing my number one. He's starting the finish. <laughs> We're in the final lap. He's starting. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> Yeah. It's your show. Well, exactly. I, I, I showed some great covers already today, so I'm, I, didn't, I mean, I didn't show anything. I showed to you, but your listeners will be like, "Great, they just have to imagine." Or hopefully, they're not driving in their cars and they're actually like, they're, they're looking up each of these covers as we're talking. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. That would be crazy. All right, so this is you know it's going to be probably a cop out for all of it, but you know we're talking about number one, X number one, Jim Lee. Like, it's the cover, right? You got like. You know, you saw this on on the newsstand. You're like, "Oh my god, this is like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life." At the time, the art pops, the colors pop, the costume designs are absolutely superb. Um, this has gone on to be remastered multiple times. They have remade it with action figures, which is completely mind blowing. Uh, based on this image of all the characters, um, I was so actually disappointed when they try recently redid it for uh, the new Cohen era X Men book when they had like different art. Artists do did the different characters in the same type of deal, and I thought it looked so terrible because the art wasn't unified. Uh, so that, that really bugged me. Like if Pepe just did it like this, you know, that could have been the next kind of you know mm-hmm. Easter resistance like this thing. But it's you know it's absolutely gorgeous, and I you know I can't go wrong with it. You know, you got everything you need um, from any good type of comic splash page pinup, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, action number one, hands down, Jim Lee. Mm. So yeah. you're cheating with four covers in one. Very smart move. <laughs> it's a fold out thing. It's fine. It folds out. No, they were in. They were each of that. They, didn't they have? Um, aren't these all alternative covers? Well, I mean, you can buy it as a, a wraparound that has all of them, or they're all separately a cover yeah. as well. Yeah. The issue. The issue I owned I was, I... A ra- was a wraparound that expanded. So that's right. 
Yeah. Of the four kind of separate yeah, I, ones, I would say it's the Cyclops one I like the most. Oh, for sure. Me too. Yeah. Although it's a sweet Magneto too. I think I think the Magneto one is the one I own. I believe. No, that's not true. I have the one with Rogue on it because I was like, I have to have every cover I can with Rogue on it. So I have the Colossus, Rogue, Psylocke, and Gambit. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean what more to yeah, be said? It's, it's very classic. It's iconic. It's, I, I, everyone knows it. You know, you say X Men number one, everyone has that image in their head. Like that's it sold what eight million copies. Like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people still have like multiples because they thought it was going to be worth something. Um, but uh, yeah, no, nothing wrong with that. I won't call it a copa. It's your favorite. That's true. When you, when you say X Men, it's like the first thing that pops in my brain. So it makes sense. Makes sense. That's why I had Uncanny, th- you know, three thirty-five for mine. Like that's that's just my X Men. That's what I think of. Nate, what do you got? You gotta know what my last one is. You want to guess? Off the top of my head, I, um, I know. I know Adam. I know you're a big fan of making us guess things, so I thought I would just ask. Oh. <laughs> Can you give me any hints? Here it is. Here it comes. Here's your hand. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there are no words. Tengu. Back in his butt at you. It's, I don't think American listeners got Tengu. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, is it actually Tengu? It's not Tengu. It's X Men 24. Oh well, yeah, baby. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, now I just have the image of Pengu in my head, though. Oh, don't worry. I mean, uh, when we, when you turn forty, we'll make sure to get you uh, a nice piece uh, of Pengu art. Oh my God! Can you imagine? That'd be your, that'll be yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I. It's a rogue cover. It has Rogue and Gambit together. Um, the one true pairing. Um, you know, he's lifting her up. It's romantic. They're not kissing. There's that whole thing they can't kiss. So there's that, you know, desire to be together and they can't be. So it also, right? Because there's no kiss, right? So uh, if you're looking carefully and you're like, well, yeah, this is this is actually anticlimactic. Like it's not the kiss. They're just getting close. Kind of lacking romance, but in a way, if you know anything about the characters, you know that this is also a, a piece of the story. It is, it is telling kind of a story. This is a romantic issue. It's an issue about them going on a date, and yet they can't—they can't really touch each other. So, I don't know. I think it's—it's it's really expertly done. It's been copied and mimicked. It's been on T-shirts. Um, I love the giant hair in the late '80s and early '90s, and uh, Andy Cooper does fantastic flowing hair. Mm-hmm. Like, look at those locks. Look at Rogue's locks. Oh yeah, incredible. Uh, I would say his—I would say his brother makes better uh, draws Gambit's hair a little bit better. Like uh, Adam has foofier. You know, more voluminous uh, rogue hair than, uh, sorry, gambit hair, I mean, than this. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, you you can't do everyone's hair perfectly, but the the rogue hair is on point. So I I love this very much. Nice. Beautiful choice. Very simple, right? Because it's just two people embracing, but, uh, and again, it's not obvious. Background, like the, it's kind of the red for love, that kind of Valentine's kind of red. Yeah, it's just it's simple. Or maybe yeah, they, based on the colors of the characters, it helps helps them pop right off the page, right? Are you sure it's just an abstract background, or maybe Cyclops is blasting them right now? <laughs> Could be. You can't tell me it's not. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> you won't. 
right. Uh, so my last one, again, it's kind of a cheat that it's number. It's really my second and not my top because we already did my top. But uh, this one is more... I don't think you guys would know it that well, but um, it's very old. It's uh, Although it's not from the original run of X-Men. Right? I think it's Uncanny X-Men 120, uh, Chaos in Canada. Um, Chaos in Canada? Yeah. I It's the cameo. Well, it's not the cameo. I guess it is the first appearance of Alpha Flight. Um, but I just remember picking this up. I was on a, a lunch break, I think from school one time at, at BMV, just looking at this. Was, I was a teenager looking at uh, some single comics and I remember they had this and it just looked cool. I really liked the composition of it. I really liked, you know, you could see that the X-Men are fighting the elements that you have these shadowy people about to attack them. Um, I just love looking at this era of the X-Men. It's very kind of classic. Uh, you could see uh, Colossus trying to help Banshee through, um, you know, in theory though, Storm should be able to, you know, probably put this under control but uh yeah. again just as an image it just it's, it's very striking there's a lot going on there i like the color work um again you have these very vibrant color characters coming towards you out of the you know the bleakness of this of whatever's happening behind them uh and again chaos in canada i mean what, what more do you want than that and if, well i mean if you want to know isn't this snowbird didn't snowbird make the uh, the weather change or something like that, so they could ground the plane. I think that's so there possible. You go. She can't, she had a tough time fighting in snow. Yeah, there you go. That's fair. It works. It's a great cover. I love. It's just when they, whenever you have um, figures Over in the rounds, <laughs> I just I love this purple coloration. This choice, very very common to have them, you know, highlighted or or or, or bathed in like a purple lighting, shadowy lighting. I just. I don't know. I just love it. It's a. It seems tropey as well. It seems like a choice that was made commonly for foreground, you know, for you know, foreboding images. But it works here. It's a nice framing. A much better framing. Sadly, I'm not trying to attack Andy Cooper here, but a much better framing than your previous comic choice, Adam, of uh, Revanche's <laughs> cape. This this works enough in many ways in which that doesn't. Oh, 100 percent. No, I mean, the, the, there's storytelling here. The other one, I liked it aesthetically, but it didn't have the same storytelling that this one. Well, this one tells you a story. Again, this one makes you want to read what happens in the issue because you're like, well, how do they get out of this? Like, this looks pretty bad. You know, what are they about to, they're about to stumble into a trap. What happens next? This one makes you want to know, whereas the other one was just a pretty image. And I recognize that, obviously. Um, but yeah, this one actually tells you something. I mean, the other one did ask you to guess who's back. So, <laughs> had that. Like, if this image, if this image is confusing to you, I don't know who put these. on. I guess the editors decide what kind of text goes on the cover or whatever. So, um, I guess the editor was like, "Well, this is kind of weird. I don't know what's happening here with the whole cave thing. Let's just tell them to guess." Yes. <laughs> yeah, I hope that's. I just covered, in though. Canada. That's awesome. Any cave, you know, I'm all in. Exactly. Very nice. All right. Well, that that was uh, that was a fun experiment. We haven't done top fives in like I don't know seven hundred episodes, so it was nice to kind of revisit the format. Um, I don't know if you guys. St- I mean, I know we talked about doing Spider Man next. I don't know if that's still something you'd want to do, or actually, or another idea because this one I was very strict with Nate. I said it had to be a comic that said X Men in it. So technically, we still have X related. Covers as well that aren't maybe strictly X Men. Um, if you want to dump it, because I mean I don't think we're ever going to do a top X Factor covers, but uh, if you wanted to like have X Factor, X Force, you know the Cable, etc., and lump those all in together as one big X family, and then pick top covers there, or go directly to Spider Man. I'm happy with. Does that. Wolverine 
does Wolverine count? Because I'll just pick Wolverine covers. Yeah, if Cable does, Wolverine counts for sure, right? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Wolf- might as well Wolf- ask me my my favorite Wolverine covers at that point because I'm not going to pick anything that's not Wolverine. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah, we could probably easily just do top Wolverines. I would. I would imagine. Oh, for sure. I think Wolverine I would be his own. Off the top of my head already. Yeah, I'm down for Spider Man. Yeah, that might be the one we do. Anyways, thank you guys so much for joining for this episode. This has been episode 948. Uh, next episode, well, next non-reviews episode is going to be episode 950, where schedule schedule permitting, Mark Wade will be returning to the show uh, to talk about some of his other work from the past. Uh, so hopefully he'll be on an upcoming episode. Uh, but thanks again for uh, listening to this episode. You can rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.